I'd like for you to get your Bibles and turn to Matthew, the fifth chapter. <laughs> Start with verse number five. <laughs> Got to have fun. Got to make your own fun. Take a look at uh, this is the gospel right here. My, my prayer is that something is said today that you can take just a smidget, just, just something, and say, that speaks to my heart. That statement right there grabs me. And if it grabs you, and maybe several thoughts, someone, someone lady in the lobby after the first service showed me a lot of things that just grabbed her. But I'm asking you, if it just that thought grabs you, then say, God, how can I take that thought and apply it to my life that will help make a behavioral change. In other words, because of what was said, the preaching of the, how shall they know? Through the preaching of the words, what the Bible says. So Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes and all that goes with it. And I was reading them, of course, and I thought, okay, this is Matthew 5, uh, 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those, we talked about that, who mourn because they could be, I can do that, you know. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They're going to be filled. I, I can, that's pretty good. Blessed are the merciful. I mean, you know, for they shall be shown mercy. So that's the motivation. If I want mercy, I sure better be merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they're going to see God, and I want to do that. Blessed are the peacemakers, and they'll be called the sons of I want to do that. Blessed are those who are persecuted, because, but theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I understand all that, but here's the one we've got today that, that we're going to preach that, that might be a challenge. Here it is. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. That's not... Blessed are the strong who conquer and rule, and you'll inherit the influence and the power. That's not what this is saying. And if some psychologist or psychiatrist were to say, you know, hey, blessed are the gentle, blessed are the meek, you're going to inherit the earth. You'd say, that's what you think. You're just a psychologist or psychiatrist. But the one who said that is Jesus. So, man, then I got to stand up and really take a look. Said, I can do the peacemaker thing. I can do the mercy, mercy thing. And I can do all, you know, I can do all the others. But, boy, this meek thing, I've, I've really got to work on that. But Jesus said, and he's the one who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The truth. The truth of the matter is, here's what he's saying at the conclusion. Here's what he says. This means, is the world driving you? Is your schedule driving you? Are your problems driving you? Is your fame or finance or the lack thereof driving you? Is the world driving you? Is the culture driving you? Is the media spin driving you? Or are you driving the world in which you live in? And he said the meek, and we use the word gentle because the Greek word is synonymous. Here's what he says. It's time in your life through the power of meekness and gentleness that you don't let culture or anyone else drive you. You learn to control yourself and you drive 
what happens in your life. And we come to the realization in an ego-driven market that that is true. And you hear a lot about gentleness. And Jesus is saying the gentle are the strongest people on the planet. The strongest people on the planet. So let's talk about several. Gentleness is strength under control. Say that with me. Gentleness is strength under control. Uh, a gentle person does not overreact, is not driven by his own emotions or her own emotions. A gentle person is not moody, doesn't let anything cause him to fly off the handle. As a matter of fact, purates, the Greek word for gentleness, means meek. In other words, here's the Greek picture of what meekness and gentleness means. It means a wild stallion out in the middle of the prairie that has never been tamed, never had a rope around its neck, all of a sudden is conquered, that wild stallion trained and tamed with a bridle in its mouth, a saddle on its back, and now that wild stallion has become tamed and gentle at the will of the person riding on that stallion. And so he says, that's what gentleness means. It means that we have been tamed by the presence of Almighty God. It doesn't mean a wild stallion is not going to be a doormat, my friend. It doesn't mean that wild stallion doesn't have power anymore. It has tons of power. And when we have gentleness in our heart, which is meekness, they are synonymous, then we understand what it means. He says, you can control the environment in which you live. You can control your world. Proverbs uh, 15.1, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Let's read. Let's read that together. Everybody, are you ready? A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word. Here's an example. Shut your mouth. Try that on. How does that make you feel if someone just told you to shut your mouth? What is your response going to be? I understand that you're upset. I don't understand why, but could you lower it just a couple of decimals, just a little? Is that what you're going to do? Is that what you've done? No. Here's why Jesus has got it there. Don't you tell me to shut my mouth. You shut your big mouth. I'm tired of it. Hello? And what happens is we fight out of the house, into the lawn, into the car, all the way down to Walmart. Here's what it says, but a gentle answer turns away and stirs up the positive part of a person's life. Gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Here's what we do. When you get angry and we're together, I get angry. Why, why is that? I can tell you what. It's called mirror neurons. Mirror neurons. Not moron. <laughs> mirror neurons. Here's what it means. In us, in our mind, we sympathize or mirror back what other people feel toward us. If they're angry toward us, guess what? We can give you the best anger back. 
If we hang out with a person that is pressed and discouraging all the time, guess what? You hang out with them very long, and you're going to find yourself complaining and discouraged and depressed as well. On the other side, if you hang out with a person that's positive and encouraging and always takes the high road, I can tell you, here's what it says. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. So we know if we take the high road, and and here's a little tip that'll save us headache. When one person is raising their voice to you, how many of you that's happened to you in the last 48 hours? Somebody had the audacity to raise their voice to you. I guess no more than that. I might as well change messages here. (laughs) Then it says, when another person raises their voice to you, you lower your voice to them. I'm not that low. It's like they raise their voice. I'm going to get you. I'm going to knock your lights out. I am tired of the way you don't clean up your closet. I am sick and tired of the way you don't put things back in the refrigerator. I'm sick and tired. You bring your shoes off. You take them off and you don't pick them up and take them to your room. I'm sick and tired of you sitting there all day with a channel changer in your hand and you can't take the garbage out. All you want to do is watch football. All you want to do is sit there and have one Pepsi after another. I'm sick and tired of the fact that I get in here and cook hard for you and you don't eat what you need to eat. You don't like what I am sick and tired of the way you snore. I am sick and tired of the way. I'm sorry I got carried away there. It's just like a different anointing came over me. Gentleness. But what I just rehearsed to you Is often the way life is for far too many people. If you, another person raises their voice, lower yours. Conflict in your marriage, just be gentle. Parroting, friendships, Ecclesiastes 10.4 says, and uh, if your boss is angry with you, don't quit. A quiet, gentle spirit can overcome even great mistakes. Here's another, gentleness disarms critics. I like this one. The more successful you are, the more people are going to criticize you. The more influence you have, the more they're going to criticize you. The more you are in areas of leadership, the more you're going to get criticized. The more you try to be persuasive and live for God, you're going to get criticized. But you know what? If you don't do anything in your life, and you don't do and you don't do one thing as it relates to being a leader or trying to live for God nobody's going to criticize you the only way not to be criticized is to do nothing say nothing and be nothing and nobody'll have a reason to criticize you but when you use gentleness for those that are critical of you the people who gossip about you malign you and say bad things they actually get disappointed when you don't come at them with gun smoking There's some people that troll, they troll Facebook, endeavoring to just try to stir stuff up. Have you ever noticed that? And I mean, you have the audacity. Some of them you know to say, you know what, I I tell you what, I'm sick and tired of what they post and they're supposed to be a Christian. And buddy, you know what they want you to do is fire away. Of all the idiots I know, you are one of them. You ought to be ashamed of yourself posting all the stuff that you post. And you proclaim yourself to be a follower of Jesus. You know what you do? 
Those people love it when you do that because the only way they can be happy is for somebody to be angry at them. I hope you're not married to somebody like that. They're angry. They're in a depressed state. So Jesus is talking about gentleness. 1 Corinthians 4.13, Paul says, We respond gently when evil things are said about us. Is that your nugget? Is that it? We respond gently when evil things are said about us. Always tolerate. In other words, we don't retaliate. Somebody hurts you, that puts them below you if they hurt you. If you get even, that makes you even. If you take the high road and don't respond, that makes you superior to them morally and spiritually. You take the high road. Titus 2 verse 8, your conversation should be so sensible that anyone who wants to argue would be ashamed because there won't be anything to criticize in anything you say. You walk that fine line and you have tough skin and a tender heart. Here's another. Gentleness is persuasive. If you're a salesman, the day of the hard sell, so I'm told, is over. In other words, what people really want is information and they want a soft sell. That's what I read anyway. In other words, it's why that many times you'll go into a store and they'll come up to you and say, is there anything I can do? May I help you? And if so, I just want you to know that my name is Norman, Norman, or my name is Sachet, whatever. Uh, just hopefully it's not Norman Sachet, but anyway, uh, my name is Norman. And just if you need anything, I'll be right over here uh, greeting other customers. Just let me know. Now, now that's good. Everybody likes that. Now, here's the hard sell. Hi, my name is Norman. And what can I do for you today? Well, I really don't know what I'm looking for. I think I think I might be looking for for you know an article to wear. Some well, uh, let me see. Uh, let me take you right over here. We have some beautiful garments here for you. These are size. Let me see. Uh, looking at you, you look like you wear. I don't know. Maybe a size six or eight. Oh, you're so very kind. I, I really well. Thank you so much. Well, listen. Let me show you these garments here. Let me go ahead and gather about three of these right here. Two of these over here, and take you over and start a dressing for a dressing room for you, so that when you get ready, you know what you. You want to say to old Norman, get back, Jack. Don't push your way on me. Amen? Soft sell. So here's how it works as it relates in the Christian community. When we understand the hard sell, but gentleness with information, Proverbs 25:15, gentle speech breaks down rigid defenses. Gentle speech breaks down rigid defenses. You don't have to fuss back every time the fuss has started. You with me? Somebody said, we never fuss. Well, good for you. That's wonderful. One of you is hiding. If you want to convince your husband or wife or your parents, then learn to just Listen. It breaks down that rigid defense. Here's, here's another, the, the NCV version. A gentle word can get through to the hard-headed. Just gentle. 
Anybody who knows, uh, you, any of you out there, you must know a hard-headed person. You're probably uh, seated beside someone of that nature. And, and when, when you get upset and you just lamb, if I got up here every Sunday and just lambasted you, say, you know what, I'm glad you guys are here, but you guys are apathetic, you're pitiful, you're sorry in worship. You don't half worship most of the time. Most of you come in here late. Many of you don't even show up. When it comes time to worship, all you do is want to stand there. I'm telling you, you need to get right with Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, or you're going to go straight to hell. You know what? Next Sunday, we'd have about half a mount, and I wouldn't be here either. <laughs> Hello? So here's what he's saying. Learn the beauty that nagging never works. I'm feeling a direct anointing right now. <laughs> Let's, let's say that together, shall we? Nagging never works. Let's say it again. I'm feeling it more. Nagging never works. Don't turn to who you're beside. There you go. Here it is. Patience and gentle talk can convince a ruler and overcome any problem. And that word ruler means supervisor, boss, manager, anyone that has authority over you, that when you work in that regard, let your gentleness be made known. Proverbs 16, 21, a wise, mature person is known for understanding. The more pleasant his words or her words, the more persuasive he is. That's what the Word of God says. Here's another, gentleness is attractive. If you want to be more attractive, be more gentle. Here it is, one of the laws of life, I attract what I am. I attract what I am. I don't attract what I want. I attract what I am. So if you're a, if you're a single man and you want a godly woman, you're going to have to get more godly and not fake it because these young women here at Victory Church who are single, they got the spirit of discernment and can spot a yellow belly faker any day of the week. Amen? And none of these women here are going to sell themselves short without engaging too much in any guy unless they come to me and say, Pastor, what do you think about that guy? And I'm going to be dead honest and go straight to the tithing record and attendance records. And say, honey, I don't know what his assets are. Oh, I know what his assets That's not the kind of assets I'm talking about, darling. That's what it says. You gentlemen, you want a godly woman? <coughs> you got to step up the God. And the same thing for the ladies here. And how does that gentleness work? How many of you know the story between uh, Ruth and... <coughs> All right. How many know the story between Naomi and... <laughs> well, it's Ruth and Naomi. Who happened to be the relative of... Uh, of uh, Naomi. What was his name? Boaz. Boaz. Boaz had fields in which 
crops were gathered and they, they were required to leave the gleanings. You know the story. Uh, Ruth, of course, finds herself in a foreign land, uh, and, uh, or Naomi does, and Ruth is there, and her sons marry uh, those individuals, but both, uh, both uh, sons died, leaving the two daughter-in-laws. And one of the daughter-in-laws said, I'm going to stay in my land at Ruth's urging, uh, or Naomi's urging, and Ruth said, no, where you go, where you go, I'm going to go. And so we find that they go back to Israel, and, and Ruth is there, and Naomi is there. And Ruth uh, says, I, we need food. So she says, well, there's a field down the street. So she goes down, and it was not, it was improper for, for Ruth, who was a non-Jewish gal, to be gleaning in a field that was owned by uh, an Israelite or a Jew. But she did. And the, and the Bible says that, that Ruth was absolutely beautiful. And in Ruth 2, verse 13, it says, Ruth says to Boaz, says, you are very kind to me. You have made me feel better by speaking gently. You make me feel better by speaking gently. Now, why did she say that? It was a direct answer to what Boaz said. Boaz said, um, how should you be attracted to someone like me when there's 25 or 30 or more years between our age? How would you be attracted to me? And there's that much difference in our age. And Ruth says, I'll tell you why. Because you're kind and you made me feel better, not by trash talk, but by speaking gently. And let me glean, even though I knew I did not have the right or the authority. And out of that relationship, they fell in love. They got married. This is Ruth and, and Boaz. And he was not supposed, it's against the law to marry a non-Jewish woman, but he did. And God used that marriage. And Ruth had a grandson. And her grandson's name was what? You know it. David, King David, came out of that relationship. Here's the point. Had if Boaz had been ruthless, he would have been ruthless. That's two hours of work right there, my friend. Two flat hours. So, gentlemen, be a gentleman. Amen? 1 Peter 3, 4, you should know for the beauty that comes from within the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is so precious to God. Gentleness communicates love. Communicates love. It diffuses conflict. It disarms critics. It's persuasive. It's attractive. But gentleness, uh, gentleness communicates love. So the quickest way to improve your marriage, your relationship, is to start talking to your spouse, wife, more gently. Husbands, Colossians 3.19, love your wives and be gentle with them. Well, you don't know my wife. <laughs> I tried gentleness and that's why I lost these fingers right here. 
<laughs> Gentleness. Well, let's, how does that work? Husband, love your wives and be gentle with them. And, of course, wives, be subject to your husband and all of that. But love your, and be gentle with him. Any fool, any person can be ruthless, can be rough, can be rude, etc. But the key to a great marriage is this right here. Are you listening? Maybe this will be your nugget right here. The key to a great marriage is simply the union of two great forgivers. Forgivers. I know, you idiot, you didn't mean what you said. No. I know you didn't mean what you say, or I know you didn't mean it the way that you said it. Are you with me? I forgive you. I forgive you. I forgive you. Some of you ladies out there, if your husband, anyway, I won't go there because that could be ruthless. So moving on in married life, in other relationships, we're going to hurt one another. But if you have a forgiving spirit, how important is that? Here's another. Gentleness earns respect. A woman of gentle grace will be respected. I think of Mother Teresa, four and a half feet tall. Of course, she's dead now, but she was bold and yet quiet. She was frail. She was a Romanian nun fulfilling the vision God gave to her. But she walked into the United States Congress one time and put the fear of God in a very gentle way to every power broker in the room. Wow. Gentleness, by way, by the way, is a prerequisite, that gentleness to great leadership. President Abraham Lincoln was known as a person that was gentle. George Washington was another that was known as gentle. Leadership is earned, it's learned, it's discerned, but it's never demanded. Moses was known as a gentle person. Numbers 12, 3, Moses was very meek and gentle. In fact, he was more gentle than anyone else on the face of the earth. So how do we deal with this gentleness, this meekness? Gentleness is a witness to unbelievers. You heard uh, in the movie a moment ago, what was it that, that turned Gavin around? It's grace. How, how did you do that? It's like grace. Is that all there is? Yeah, it's grace. It's gentleness. It's mercy. It's not condemning. It's being gentle. It's holding your life and understanding. Gentleness is that great witness. Non-believers are always watching us. Always. Titus 3.2, believers should never speak evil of anyone. Let me say that again. Matter of fact, let's read that when it's up there. Are you ready? On 11. Are you ready? 13, 12, 11. Believers should never. How about in the political climate that we're in today? How y'all doing? You think I can erase some of the stuff I put on Facebook if I'm going to live by that? How about the guys who have black trousers and white shirts with a tie right up to your house on a bicycle? And you see them. I'm ready, buddy. Open the door. You guys are a bunch of heathen lunatics. You don't believe in Jesus Christ. Thus saith the Lord. You know why you say that? For far too many people, 
they're smarter than you are in what they believe. But you know what the Bible says. Why don't you ask me what the Bible says? Glad you asked. 1 Peter 3.15, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. Okay, here's something you might just tag. If people like what they see in you, they will listen to what you say, and people are not going to trust Jesus until they can first trust you. Make sense? Gentleness makes me like Jesus. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, Come to me, all you are weary and burdened, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, and I'm, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. If you want to be like Jesus, you're going to have to learn to put more gentleness in your behavior. Is it possible sometimes that the stress you feel and the anxiety that you feel and the pressure that you feel is because you have forgotten how to respond meekly to life's challenges and take life's challenges with a gentle spirit? The Bible says the more gentle you and I become, the more Christ-like we are. And the many people who are stressed and on the edge all the time it's usually because they have an anger that's stirring in them that they've not given to Jesus, a resentment that's built out of hurt and pain. And my friend, gentleness and that won't be able to reside in the same vessel. So how do you, how do you manage that? Here's one of the ways to start. Ask somebody that's close to you. Do you think I'm a gentle person? Oh, not a weak person. Not a doormat. Can you be that wild stallion that's still a wild stallion but has been tamed and become gentle because of the bridle? But I've seen people in restaurants who have been ruthless toward those who might serve their table. Nasty. Don't behave that way and leave a gospel track. Or if you really want to know what it's like to serve tables, go down to Bob Evans, go to Steak and Shake. And say, I'd like to serve tables for a day. Matter of fact, just make it a half a day. See how you feel. You and I are the salt of the earth. We are the light of the world. And God says, that's why that meek spirit so in your response and in your behavior, we all have a lot of work to do. And may God help us be able to let our light shine before those that are lost in a way that they are attracted to who we are in Christ Jesus. Amen? Let's give the Lord a clap offering as we stand. Would you stand? Would you stand? Maybe your life, and bow your heads, close your eyes. Maybe your life is uh, out of uh, sorts. And maybe you came in this room today just uh, beat up. Maybe you came in this room today feeling abused. Maybe you came in this room today in all kinds of emotions going on. 
Well, I'm here to tell you that Jesus loves you, and I can declare to you that he is the answer to your problem. It's not necessarily a psychologist or a psychiatrist. Psychologists can only help us make sense of the challenge and the path that we're on, but they cannot heal us. Jesus can. Surrendering to him, getting rid of the anger, getting rid of that spirit that does not belong to God. It doesn't. And maybe you just want to say, I want to get it resolved this morning. Maybe you want to come to know the Lord. You just want to come to just trust him. And so here's how we do that. We ask for forgiveness. And so that you're not alone. We're all going to speak together. We're all going to pray together so that you'll know that we're all sinners saved by grace. So would you repeat this prayer, everybody together? Dear Jesus, Dear Jesus I, have failed. I have failed. I have missed your will. And I have lived a self-centered life. But today, I ask you for forgiveness. I believe in my heart there is hope. I believe with all of my heart that if I ask for forgiveness, you will forgive me. Help me live for you. I desire to be a godly testimony. But I'm going to need help. I desire to lean on you and lean on my church family to be able to be the person that you want me to be. I pray this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You prayed that prayer. That's a good step. Tonight I'm going to deal with the, the word attitude as a game changer. 77% of, of what you hear is negative. 77%. Only a quarter positive. A child, when it reaches just maybe six or seven, has already been chastised and told that they don't really matter 148,000 times. And how do you expect an adult to come out positively? And that's why that carnal nature that we ask God because we behave in that realm and we become self-centered trying to defend ourselves. And along comes a message from the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are those who are meek. Blessed are those who are gentle. Blessed are those who don't fight back. Blessed are those who don't seek revenge. For they will rule the earth. They will rule the earth. And this morning we prayed that prayer. It's a good opportunity for you to come and just say, Jesus, here I am. I'm not ruling anymore. I want to be obedient to the pastor. I want to be obedient to the spirit. Or maybe in your body, you need a healing touch. I don't care how many times you've been down to this altar for some specific thing. There will be a time God will miraculously touch you. You see, you don't get water unless you go to the well. Amen? You're assured of not getting water unless you go to the well. And the last time I checked, if I'm thirsty, I'm going to run to that well every single time because I know there are rivers of living waters there when I get there. Amen? If you need healing or your marriage or some relationship in trouble as we sing this song, we'll give the benediction in just a moment. You come right now and let's take a moment to ask, ask God to touch your life and our lives together. Shall we? Come now, friend.